0: It's NFL week on the 414 Sports Podcast. On this episode, we talk about the NFC North. Let's go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. All right, Welcome in. This is the 414 Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillas. Thank you so much for logging in and joining us, whether you've done so on Spotify, Google, Apple, or any of the other five platforms that we currently reside on. Glad to have you with us. Kind of a special week for the 414 Sports Podcast, where over this next week, we're going to cover each division of Within the NFL, as training camps get ready to begin opening up, as we get more and more excited for the start of the NFL season. Before you know it, it'll be the Hall of Fame game, and we'll have a little bit more interest this year in the Hall of Fame ceremony itself, with Leroy Butler getting himself inducted this year. So, the anticipation, once again, for the NFL season is high. So, what we're going to do is break each division down, talk about each team within the division, and as we do so, we'll put them in order of how we think the division will play out. So today when we talk about the NFC North, the team that we begin with, that's where we think at the end of the season that team will be number one and so forth making our way through. Now, the fun thing about this – is that you're guessing, right? You're, you're looking forward. You've got the crystal ball out. You're trying to see what each division will be like, what each team, excuse me, will be like. And when people talk about for certain, this is how for certain things are going to play out, Don't don't buy into a lot of that because things happen throughout the course of a season. Injuries. Players don't live up to... Their potential or the hype or however you want to phrase it, but it's fun to look ahead. It's fun to kind of predict and think about where these teams are going to be. So today, as I noted, we'll start with the NFC North. And for us here at the 414 Sports home base, shall we say, uh, we're going with the Green Bay Packers. And I'm doing so by the thinnest of margins. I think this is going to be the toughest year for the Green Bay Packers to win the division, a division they've won handily now for double digits as far as years go. Under Aaron Rodgers, it's been all about Green Bay. Yes, there have been some outliers or blips in the screen, however you want to phrase it, but the Green Bay Packers have dominated the NFC North. But now we have some questions going into this season. We have questions primarily, as we've talked about before, at the wide receiver spot. Aaron Rodgers has lost his security blanket, and that's Devontae Adams. With Devontae Adams going to the Raiders, Aaron Rodgers now is left with a receiving core that I think is quite capable. And it's a receiving core that Aaron Rodgers has utilized better during those instances when Devontae Adams was injured, when he was forced to bring them into the mix, the receiving core back then, though by name it's different, by talent, I think there's some similarities there. So again, with Devontae gone, you still have Alan Lazard. You'll have a Randall Cobb on the team who will be more, in my mind, of a player court, a coach. He's going to get some snaps. But he's there for two reasons. One, he's going to really help in the development of an Amari Rodgers or a Christian Watson, who the Packers drafted this past season. I think Randall Cobb's presence with those young receivers is going to pay dividends in the next two or three years. And let's face it, he's also there because of Aaron Rodgers. And we've talked about this before. And it's something that I don't understand how Green Bay overlooked it. One of the things that occurs when you have somebody like Aaron Rodgers, who's been there forever seemingly, is the difference in age. And the difference between a 22 and a 38-year-old is like night and day. And the fact that they bring Randall Cobb in so that Aaron Rodgers just simply has somebody to relate to, somebody within – the same age bracket to relate to. We saw what Brett Favre. I mean, Peterson, now the head coach down with Jacksonville, was the backup quarterback forever for Brett Favre. And there were other more skilled backup quarterbacks. And that Doug Peterson's a great coach. He was an excellent quarterback as a backup. But let's face it, there were other more talented. Athletes that could have come in and been the backup for, in this instance, a Brett Favre. But they held on to Peterson because of the fact that he and Favre became so close. Favre then had somebody to relate to as he was getting older. And the team, as it will do, gets younger through the draft and acquisitions of players and so forth. So Randall Cobb's presence is going to be... Uh, Felt, I think throughout this season. So we get Sammy Watkins who will come in from the Ravens and right now he is really our marquee receiver. And Sammy Watkins who had some good years with Kansas City and then fell off a little bit when it came to his time with Baltimore is looking to resurrect his career. So we'll have to see what Sammy Watkins can do. I am still of the belief that the Green Bay Packers will obtain a marquee level wide receiver before we head into week 1. As we say time and time again, once training camp opens, w- excuse me, when when training camp opens and we find ourselves with injuries or again we find ourselves with players that have been drafted that are definitely performing at a higher level than what was anticipated. Sometimes those veterans and that veteran contract are easily dismissed. And so I think there's going to be a few receivers that will find themselves on the open market. And I still believe that the Green Bay Packers will definitely go out and find one of those to help secure and solidify that receiving core. On the offensive line, we learned this week, or shall I say last week, that David Bakhtiari was on the pup list. So Bakhtiari has struggled to regain the strength, mobility, and the health after that ACL injury. What will that do at the left tackle spot? We know that David Bakhtiari in the lineup makes that offensive line so, so much better. And we know that David Bakhtiari at the left tackle spot is going to be so important because it protects the blind side of one Aaron Rodgers. That is of a concern right now. So the offensive line, a bit shaky. We already know about the receiving core and the question marks we have there. We know we have a quarterback, a four-time MVP who could very well make it a fifth this year. Who knows? but has struggled lately in the postseason. I think there's some competition this year in the division that will really challenge the Packers. Now, will that help them moving into the postseason? Or will it be that turning point in whatever data you want to roll out? Will this be the turning point when somebody else supersedes the Green Bay Packers over the next five, six, seven years, whatever the case may be? The real bright spot on paper right now is the defense, the secondary for the Green Bay Packers. Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Rasul Douglas, Nixon, you got Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. I mean, all of these guys in the secondary, which was for many years such a question mark for the Green Bay Packers, is now really a position of depth. And then we look at the defensive line, and what's been done there as far as drafting goes and how guys have been developed. And the defense right now looks to be the strength of this Green Bay Packer team. Now, I've said it before on this podcast, I think the Packers have gone to more of a defensive mode, not only because, you know, as the old adage says, defense wins championships, but I think the transition that will occur whether it's next year or the year after, when Aaron Rodgers decides to leave and we see the likes of Jordan Love or whoever it is that will be the heir apparent, you're going to need to have a strong defense. We'll talk about the 49ers, obviously, in another podcast as we talk about the NFC West, but look at the formula that the 49ers are using, especially now as they try to move into what will be the Trey Lance era era out there, the similarities to how these teams have been put together are striking. And the fact that the defense with the 49ers, again, on paper, looks pretty doggone good. And it's looking good because they know they're going to go through some growing pains with the likes of Trey Lance. So we'll take the Packers by a smidge to win the division. You could call this 1A or 1B, but I think the Minnesota Vikings are getting ready to take that next step. The Minnesota Vikings have a ton of talent on that team, and it was evident that Kirk Cousins and the coaching staff, the previous coaching regime, did not see eye-to-eye. There was a misconnect, whatever the case may be. Kirk Cousins is a very good quarterback. Is he an Aaron Rodgers-level quarterback? Nah, I don't think so. But he's a very good quarterback. And with the talent they've surrounded him with, it's going to be interesting to see if Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach for the Minnesota Vikings, can help get Kirk Cousins to the next level. We saw it this past year. We saw Matthew Stafford go to the Rams, leave the Detroit Lions after giving his heart, soul, to that franchise, a franchise that has been in utter turmoil for the last 25, 30 years, go to the LA Rams and end up winning a Super Bowl. Will we see something similar for Kirk Cousins? I don't know. It's going to be hard to say. But if Kirk Cousins is going to be anywhere near the quarterback that many think he can be, this is going to be the time to do it. You get an offensive coach who follows that tree now. Everybody's coming out of the Rams organization, right? Super Bowl winners. They were contenders prior. They've got an offense that's really prolific. And we've seen this time and time again. And there's nothing wrong with it when coaches are successful. You know, you can go back to when Bill Walsh was coaching for the 49ers and having all his success. Everybody's grabbing those assistants to become head coaches and implement that style of football. Well, we're seeing the same thing now, and in this case one of those coaches heading to the Minnesota Vikings in Kevin O'Connell will see what he can do with the likes again of one Kirk Cousins. That to me is going to be the biggest difference. If he can get Kirk Cousins to take just a half step, he doesn't even need to take a full step, just a half step there is so much talent on that team that they should rival the Green Bay Packers and battle for the number one spot in the NFC North. Now, the Vikings themselves, they have questions with regards to their offensive line. You've got positions through with Christian Darrisaw and Garrett Bradbury being back at center. But if these guys miss games, the drop-off is a little bit more significant than what we would see, for instance, with the Green Bay Packers, when somebody like Bakhtieri goes down, there are guys who are more than capable of filling in. Are they the same as David? No. But they're capable. I don't know if Minnesota has that depth at the offensive line position. Also, the other factor being the secondary. The secondary for the Vikings, though decent, the depth isn't there like we see in Green Bay. So you've got two key spots in the offensive line and the secondary for the Minnesota Vikings that if there's any sort of injury or if those starters don't play up to their potential, you could, you could see why we would put Green Bay at number one and Minnesota at number two. Now, if all those guys play to their potential and if a Kirk Cousins can take that next step, That's when we could see potentially the Minnesota Vikings jumping past the Green Bay Packers. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get to the final two teams. Almost gave it away. The final two teams that we have in the NFC North, and we'll do so in just a second. All right, welcome back in as we wrap up things here with the NFC North. Third place this year for me is going to be the Detroit Lions. What Dan Campbell did last year, and as goofy as he was, talking about, you know, we're going we're gonna to scrap and we're going to bite him in the ankles and hit him in the kneecaps and all of the hyperbole that he had in his introductory press conference that we thought, what were the Lions doing? Like, where did they grab this guy from, and how in heaven's name is he going to be a head coach? Really proved people wrong. That was a team that struggled to get a win. Struggled to get a win. And yet, out of the vast majority of games last season, the Lions were in it. They needed a play or two, and the Lions would have been just fine. This year, a second year now, under Dan Campbell, I think the Lions have the potential to take the next step. Now, of course, at quarterback, you have Jared Goff. and Jared Goff, who did very well for the Rams, but the Rams essentially dumped him in order to get Matthew Stafford because they didn't feel as if Jared, Jared Goff, excuse me, could take them and win a Super Bowl. The Lions don't need Jared Goff to win him a Super Bowl yet. What the Lions need are a few more wins. Like, if the Lions get to 500 this year, that's going to be one of the great stories of this upcoming season. To take a team that has been so, so awful and watch them now begin that ascent, to begin to climb the ladder. There is talent on this team. They have a very talented receiving core. They've got good tight ends. I mean, you know, you look at T.J. Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. uh, You've got people like Jamal Williams. I mean, you can go right down the line, and you could find yourself just not necessarily being bowled over if the Lions are able to take the next step, which is, in my opinion, getting to five hundred. The Lions aren't getting to the playoffs this year. At least I don't think so. I don't I don't think they're there yet. But if they can get to five hundred, they're starting to take the steps necessary to become a potential playoff team. Now let's face it, at some point Aaron Rodgers will no longer be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Minnesota will find out this year whether Kirk Cousins even though they've paid him a boatload of money, is the guy to help take the next step with that organization. And so has you've got two teams now that have an abundance of talent but have question marks in the next two, three, four years at the QB position, then you have a team like Detroit that has talent that is ascending. That's why I think They are going to be very, very entertaining and going to be one of those storylines that people are going to find themselves embracing this year because of all of the elements that I just alluded to. Now, they get the kid out of Alabama at the wide receiving core who tore his ACL, Williams tearing his ACL in the national championship game. He's already on the pup list. They don't think he'll be ready maybe until midseason. So maybe dependent upon where the bye week comes for Detroit, you might see him in uniform and ready to go. But his skill set is so good, the Lions aren't ready to necessarily or feeling the need to push. We're going to let him heal. We're going to let him rehab. We're going to build him up and bring him in slowly and slowly but surely and have him ready for what promises to be a very strong NFL career. That's something the Lions haven't done well in the last few years. The Lions have been one of those teams that have taken maybe some chances and pushed players into positions that they weren't necessarily ready for in their careers. And if a position player, especially at the wide receiver spot, isn't necessarily prepared or mature enough to handle all of these elements that come in to play once you get to the NFL it can destroy a career we've seen a lot of talented individuals physically talented individuals that have gone to the lions and who have floated away it just it just never happened and when you have all of those physical attributes then it becomes the coaching and the mental side of the game which could mean the difference between three years and out or potentially a Hall of Fame career. The Lions seem to be turning the corner, organizationally and on the field. So I think they're going to be very interesting to watch. And finally, in last place, is the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields, I thought, was a great pick for the Chicago Bears. Matt Nagy? Though not terrible, I mean, he won games, but there there was definite friction between he and that city. So you get Justin Fields, and now you just wonder, is he in the right position to ever succeed? Justin Fields is in a position right now that I was just talking about with the Detroit Lions. Justin Fields has all of the skill set. He has the mental capability to play quarterback. He has everything there to be successful. And for the Bears to give up what they did in order to reach up and grab Justin Fields to make him the marquee quarterback for their franchise in the coming future, but not surround him with essentially much. The offensive line. I mean, one of the headlines, if, if, if you parade through and, and begin to look at this upcoming season, one of the headlines is, can the offensive line for the Bears get any worse? You've got a young mobile quarterback who spent a lot of time last season essentially running for his life. And people will say, well, you know, this day and age, he's running quarterbacks. They don't sit in the pocket. They don't do this. They don't do that. And then they want to run, and that's how they get hurt, and this, that, and the other thing. He has the ability to get out of the pocket, run, and make plays. He spent a lot of time last year just simply running for his life. That's not a good plan if you've given up what you have to bring in what you thought and felt was going to be your quarterback of the future, and then spend no time putting really much around him. The Bears are in the middle of a rebuild. I don't know if necessarily I would have put Justin Fields behind center in the middle of a rebuild. But they did so, in my opinion, to sell some tickets. They weren't going to have him on the bench, where I think he needs to be right now. Not because he's incapable of playing the position but to save this young man so he can be the future once you start putting some elements at various positions in order to make that team fundamentally sound. But that's not the approach the Bears have taken, and it's one of the reasons why I think the Bears will end up in last place when this season concludes. The Bears also defensively, in the midst of this rebuild, have lost some real key elements. Right now, the the Bears are wondering what is Robert Quinn going to do? Once Khalil Mack was out and Akeem Hicks was out, now Robert Quinn is sitting there going I- I'm the last real eh, star maybe on this defensive side in the midst of a rebuild. Do I really want to go through this? Do I want to go through this Middle to latter half of my career in the midst of a rebuild, knowing we don't have a chance. Nobody's ever going to say that, right? You're not going to interview anybody on the Chicago Bears and hear anyone say that we don't have a chance, but the reality is the reality. And so the Bears, to me, and I, I hate to say it this way, they're becoming the Detroit Lions. They're flipping spots. The Lions are ascending. The Bears are descending, and the Bears will be in the basement. So in the NFC North, the 414 sports team will take the Packers. Why? Because it's, it's the homer in me, right? It's the home field advantage on the podcast. Then the Vikings will go Lions and Bears to wrap up the NFC North. Tomorrow we'll throw another one out, and this time we'll take a look at the NFC West and see how things play out for them. Until then, I'm Don Wachillos. Thank you so much for logging in and joining us. Have yourself a great day, and the next time we talk, we'll break down the NFC West. Take care.